And you see, that goes inherent with the call of God on your life. So John said, you are going to have a love for the church. You just will. And you will almost be, as Paul said, addicted to the ministry of the saints. Even though the church is sometime going to kick you below the belt and cause you to double over in pain. And look, she will do that. You know why? Because sheep kick. Huh? There's going to be some times that she's going to bite the fire out of you and you're going to want to cry and run away. She's going to do that because sheep also bite. No matter what she does to you, you're going to pick yourself up off the ground, you're going to dust off, you're going to bandage your wounds, and you're going to go right back in the battle ministering to the church. I wonder sometimes about guys who claim that they're called to preach and the first time the hard knocks of ministry come home, they bail out. Can't do that. This is almost an addiction. It comes inherent with the call of God upon your life. There's going to be a, a passion for the church. There's also going to be, John Seth, along with that call, a serious work ethic. I think more discredit has come upon the gospel because of lazy preachers than any other malady that I know of. You see, when God calls us and we're passionate about serving God's people, man, it just seems to root laziness out of your life. Uh, who has time for that type of stuff with this great task that God has called us to? So I worry about guys that are called to preach. And, you know, the old adage out there is, well, preachers got it made. You only work two days a week. Well, where did folk come up with that from? Because so many lazy scoundrels give that impression that that's all we do is work two days a week. Hey, I believe we're moving into an era where that's going to be rooted out because to preach gospel, you're going to have to have a job somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of our model here at Grace anyway. But you're going to have a passion. You're going to have a work ethic. And look, you are going to naturally be a leader of men. You just will. Uh, listen, God's called you to be out front and lead. You are the proestimai, the one who's standing out front with a clarion call of the gospel message. I'll never forget, there was an old black minister that told me when I was just a young man, he said this. He said, Brother Richie, you remember this all of your life in ministry. He said, God's called you to be out in front leading the sheep. Because if you get that confused and you walk behind the sheep, you're going to get your shoes dirty with everything that sheep drop on the ground. <laughs> and boy, he's right. And I can't tell you how disappointed I am when I see spineless preachers just knuckling in and falling in line as to what the church wants rather than what the church needs, and that is a man who will stand up with a backbone and proclaim the Word of God and lead them to greener pastures for their own good. See, that's what the church needs today. Now, these are some things, John Seth, that just come inherent with the call. One more, and I've got to move to this text. This is my introduction. I'm not preaching yet. One more that comes inherent with the call is integrity. Integrity. There are a lot of guys that don't understand that their word is so intricately linked with their message of the gospel that if folk can't believe them, how can I believe what you're preaching? How can I believe the gospel? So let your yes be yes 
Your no be no. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Because your mouth is the, the, the mouthpiece for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And John saith, here's what's so good about this. We know you. We wouldn't be here if you didn't meet these qualifications. So that's the reason why Grace Church has gathered today and upon the recommendation of the council that examined you last week, we are going to set you forth and put our stamp of approval upon your life. We're going to give you a piece of paper that says you are ours and if you mess up, we're going to come whip you, honey, with a bag of switches. Huh? All right. Just want to be clear about that. So here we go. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1 and I want us to look at this under the title of When God Calls. Because here we have old Jonah and God called him. And you know, Miss Meyer read some scripture this morning because a calling, I, I, I think the first and foremost, the call of God is to salvation. Did you know that's one of the designations for believers in the New Testament? As a matter of fact, Romans 8 says that. That God makes this promise, promise to those who are the called. So I want you to understand that the call doesn't just restrict itself to those of us who stand in pulpits and proclaim the gospel. The call is a general call and it's first and foremost a call to salvation. But beyond that, I think God calls specific people within His family to specific tasks which they are to perform. Hence, that's what we find here with the prophet Jonah. I do not think that the beginning of this story is the, 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 the initiation of his call to be a prophet. I think he had been a prophet for a while and this narrative just kind of picks up with a specific task or assignment that God has for the prophet Jonah. So let's pick up there in, in, in this narrative and see what we can see about this call to a specific task that came to Jonah. I think the first thing we can say is that God's call is completely His prerogative. It's His prerogative. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, The word of Yahweh came to Jonah. What is it that always conveys the call of God to a person's life? Oh, listen to me. It's not some subjective experience. It's not the warm, fuzzy feeling. It's always God speaking to His people through His Word, and in this case, God speaking to His man through His Word and saying, Son, I have something that you are going to do in my kingdom. This is your unique station of life. This is your life assignment. This is your biblical task. This is what I have for you to do. So the call of God is always God's prerogative. Notice, it was God who called. It wasn't His mama. It wasn't His daddy. It wasn't His any other folk who just wanted this for Jonah's life. And hey, here's the good news. Since it's God who calls, man can't stop it. Huh? And here's the problem. So many folks will affirm, yeah, I'm called by God, but the church has treated me so bad that I just can't do it. And no, listen, if God called you, man can't kill it. He can't and he won't. Again, you'll be addicted to this and you might be knocked down but you'll get yourself up and you'll get right back on the horse of ministry and you'll ride her for the glory of God. So God's call, number one, is his prerogative. Now, look, there are several things in this text that show it's complete, completely God's prerogative. Number one, God picks the right person. He always does. He always picks the right person. Hey, God has never fired 
at one person and hit somebody else. You know? Uh, he just doesn't. I mean, God is precise. And he, he calls whom he wishes and whom he wants. It's his prerogative. Now check out what the Bible says. The word of the Lord came to a whole group of people to see who would take it up. No, the word of God came to Jonah. Hey, this is when, for us, when Lagos turns into Ramah. When you're sitting in a crowd of a hundred people and God gets so personal with you until it's almost as if there's nobody there but you and God. You ever been there? Man, that's just how God does it, is it not? And God picks the right person. Now, look, here's, here's the only problem. Sometimes when God speaks personally to folk, they say, oh, no, God, it can't be me. You've got to be mistaken. can't be me. And here's what Isaiah said when God called Isaiah. God said, Whom will go, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. The difference is Jonah said, here am I, Lord, but please send somebody else. Huh? Jonah was not in the mindset. He wasn't of the opinion that it was him that should be going. But listen, God speaks to the right person always. Check out number two. Not only does he pick the right person, but God tells us how to proceed. Now, here's the only trick to it. Most of the time, he doesn't tell us as much as we think he ought to tell us. But notice what he told Jonah here in verse number 2. Here are two imperative commands. Notice, this is not optional. This isn't, Jonah, I'm setting this out there for your approval or, or, or for your uh, uh, liking. Here's the two verbs, arise and go. Arise and go. Now that's about all God's going to say to you when he's calling you to a specific task. He's going to say, get up and go. And you're going to begin to say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. How am I going to do this? How am I going to pay for this? What am I going to do when I get... Listen, God is never going to reveal more light to you if you hadn't been obedient to the light that he's already revealed, huh? So when he says, arise and go, what do you do? You get up and you say, yes... As Dane says, you put your yes on the table, and when you put your yes on the table, there's also some things that you're saying no to as well because you can't say yes to everything, but I'm saying yes to what God said. I don't know what step number two is, but step number one is to get up and go. Only problem is Jonah did that. Look at, look at the next verse. Jonah rose. He got up, but what did he do? He took a hard left turn. Hey, I know that feeling. I've preached my heart out before and I thought, dear God, that wasn't me, that was you. You were speaking. And there are folk today who are going to respond. They're going to say yes. There are some who are going to hear the call of God and they're going to come to faith. And I give the invitation and quit praying. I look up and folk are getting up and starting to move. And I'm thinking, here it comes. And folk turn and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> Done that. That's what Jonah did. He got up and instead of going to where God called him, he kind of went to the bathroom. <laughs> Check out number next. He tells you how to proceed. He also specifies the right place. Look what he said. He didn't say, I just want you to do this any old where. You notice how specific the call of God is? Man, hey, quit making this thing more complicated than it is. I mean, God, God gives the information, that when it, and normally it's precise. Notice how here he specified the exact place. He said, arise, go to Nineveh, and in case you're wondering which Nineveh, the great city. 
It's the one that has walls around it that are wide enough for three chariots to pass and nobody fall off the wall. It's that city. Go to Nineveh. And you know, one of the things as, 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 as the leader of a mission organization that I want to know when I talk to folks who think they're called to missions is what, what, where do you think God is leading you? Because normally within the call there comes at least some desire for a certain group of people or a people group or a place and here it is that God spoke to Jonah and he was very specific. He said, go to Nineveh. So he specifies the right place. But next in this, John saith, notice what he says. Not only does he specify the right place, but he identifies the right purpose. What are you going there for, son? Well, look in, in verse number 2 at what he says. He says, go to the great city and cry against it. Literally, it's preach against it. And here's what I want you to know. God didn't call Jonah to go to Nineveh to start a clothes closet. He didn't call Jonah to go down there and start a social ministry. He didn't call Jonah to go down there and start an orphanage. He called Jonah to go down and preach against its wickedness. And so I'm going to tell you, sometimes that's not popular. Sometimes the closed ministry looks pretty appealing. But I want to tell you, God has called the man of God today to take his word and stand against the overwhelming tide of all the sinful philosophical philosophies of life that are coming to us today. Somebody's got to stand in the midst of the craziness that's happening in the United States of America today and say, Thus saith the Lord. Quit trying to be everybody's friend and be politically correct. He hasn't called you to be politically correct. He's called you to be faithful to His Word and to proclaim it. And son, a lot of times that means we're just going to have to preach against sin. Huh? Hey man, look, if you love the church, like we said comes inherent and you call, you can't let her play with rattlesnakes. You got to stand up and say, put that stuff down in the name of Jesus before you get some water holes punched in you by the fangs of that snake. Huh? I mean, that's just what you got to do. And boy, I want to tell you, today I hear so many preachers and all they are doing is getting in the pulpit and teaching and preaching Freudian psychology. Freudian psychology is hogwash. I hear so many folk today who want to be kissing cousins with Charles Darwin. Darwinism is hogwash. The only thing that will wash is God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. And if he says it's sin, then my golly, the man of God ought to stand up and say, it's sin, get it out of your life. Huh? Preach against sin. Cry out against their wickedness. And that's the way to win friends and influence people, ain't it? <laughs> Telling you. I have folks sometimes catch me and they'll say, Pastor Richie, I sure do appreciate your preaching, but I feel worse after I leave church than I did when I came. And my answer is always the same. Get the sin out of your life and you won't feel so bad. <laughs> One little word here, repent. You know, and here's the deal. You know, I think, I think a lot of us, God's calling to Nineveh today and maybe our Nineveh is a place of repentance. And we're saying, no God, I don't want to let go of that. Hence, some of the other implications of when God calls. Number one, when God calls... God's call is completely His prerogative. You know what? I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't seeking it, John saith. 
I was happy in Mississippi being a farm boy riding a John Deere tractor hunting deer and turkey and dipping Copenhagen. I was fine. <laughs> I was fine. And all of a sudden God calls, interrupts everything. I've got a friend, a pastor friend who jokingly says sometimes, I'm convinced that God loves most people and the rest of us he calls to preach. <laughs> there are days I can relate to that. But nonetheless, the call is completely his prerogative. And when you stop and think of it like that, John Seth, listen. What a humbling honor God bestows upon you and me. With all of the people out there who seem to be more qualified, he called me. With all the people out there who are not as socially awkward, <laughs> he called me and he called you. And man, what an honor. What a humbling experience that is for God to call at his prerogative to an old boy who had no idea what God had in store. Check out number two. Not only is God's call completely his prerogative, but I think this scripture tells us that God's call is a non-negotiable proposition. We are not to negotiate with God. The only thing we can do is say, Yes, Lord, whatever you command, I'll do. I know folk who put, who put parameters on the call of God on their life. And boy, when God calls, it's non-negotiable. It's whatever... It's whenever and it's wherever. But notice, Jonah didn't get that. For Jonah, it was negotiable. And notice what this scripture teaches us about disobedience to God's call. Number one, disobedience is a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision. Now, you know, we're not just disobedient by accident. It is very calculated it's cunning and it's a conscious decision that we make to say no to God and yes to whatever it is that we want. Now, check this out. Notice what Jonah did. Verse number 3 says, But Jonah rose. He got half of it right, but again, he took a hard left. He rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down. Can I just stop right there and say, Anytime you say no to God, you're headed in the wrong direction. I think it's no coincidence here that the Bible uses over and over again this, this word. Jonah went down to Joppa. Look at, when, uh, at the rest of that verse. He went down into the ship. When you say no to God, you're not going up. You're going down. And it's a conscious decision. And let me show you how I know it from the text. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says he went down to Joppa. Here's the word, underline it. He found a ship. You know why he found a ship? Because he was looking for one. You know, you see what it is you're looking for. And here Jonah goes down and he, he finds a ship. He had already made a conscious decision. Look, he, just going to Joppa, he's going the opposite way from Tarshish already. And he's wanting to even get, I mean, from Nineveh. He's wanting to get as far away from Nineveh as he can. So he's headed down to Joppa and he finds a ship. Can I say this to you? Jonah probably had our same type of rational process at that time. And here's the rational process of a lot of folk who are fleeing from the presence of God. Well, there's a ship right there. I mean, if God wouldn't want me to get on the ship, he wouldn't have put the ship there. There's a lot of folk that, that, that live by this open, closed-door philosophy, 
and it's dangerous sometimes. You know why it's dangerous? I put it on this sheet of paper for you. Write this down on your paper but also in your heart. Satan will always provide transportation for those who are fleeing from the will of God. So there's no, it's no wonder there was a ship down there. The last place the devil wanted jo- Jonah to go with the powerful word of God to a wicked city, <laughs> he wanted him to get to Tarshish. So what does he do? He provides transportation. And boy, I want to tell you, he still does it today. If you're looking for a ride out of the will of God, hear me, Satan will pull up a Cadillac for you. It could be anything, anything to be transportation. You know what it might be? It might be a dream job somewhere that he'll provide. And I've seen this so many times when God gets close to people and he begins to transform their life. All of a sudden they unplug from church because somebody offered them the job of their dreams three states over. What is that, son? That's transportation out of, out of God's will. I've seen other folk that are on the cusp of doing tremendous things for God and all of a sudden God will bring an old boy into their life that doesn't love God nor have any respect for his word. And they'll fall in love with him and they're gone. Same way with ladies. I've seen men do that. Get off of the road with God because he provided transportation through a prospective spouse. Brittany, I want to say to you, you're so important to this process. I think I can do anything that God calls as long as I got Heather with me. And if I don't have her with me, there's very little I can do. And I want to tell you, when we look at John Seth, we're not just looking at John Seth, we're looking at the woman behind John Seth. We said last Saturday in our ordination council, I have a pastor friend that says it's amazing to me how many times the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life sounds exactly like my wife's voice. (laughs) Man, if if I've got some harebrained thing and I think God's wanting us to do and I run it by Heather and she goes, what? (laughs) I know I'm, I'm going down the wrong road already. So notice that Jonah found this and he probably thought, well, if, you know, if this wasn't meant to be, there wouldn't be a ship. Oh, but yes, there will. There will always be a way for you to get out of God's will. Satan will make sure that there's transportation provided for you if you're looking to get out of God's will. It's just what he does. Notice number next, disobedience is a conscious decision. But number next, disobedience is a costly decision, John Seth. Notice what the text says right here. I love this. The Bible says he found a ship which was going to Tarshish and get this, underline this word. He paid the fare. I mean, he'd want to get out of God's will bad enough that he broke out his wallet and said, how much is it for a, for a one-way ticket on this cruise ship to Tarshish? And he paid the fare. Now get this. Here Jonah paid the fare. It cost him. Cost him greenbacks. He willingly paid it to get out of God's will, to get as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. He's trying to free, flee, the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord. But get this. It was costly because he paid the fare, but he never got to his destination. And I bet when that whale, whale or that great fish puked Jonah out on the seashore of some remote place, he probably went to digging for his ticket and looking at the refund policy. And to his dismay, it probably had in the fine print, no refunds available to those fleeing from the will of God. 
get caught in a great storm, swallowed by a fish, and puked down on a beach somewhere. Jonah said, dang it, I don't get any money back. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought he was talking about me. <laughs> now watch this. <laughs> it cost Jonah to be disobedient, did it not? Hey, more than Jonah wanted to pay. It cost him more than just the dollars he paid. It cost him, and he never got to his destination. That's always the way it is when you're out of God's will. It's going to cost you, and you're not going to get to where you think you're going. Just mark it down. Wherever that ship that's taking you out of God's will says it's taking you up the corporate ladder, no, it's not. It's going to cost you, and you'll never get there running from God. You just won't. But now, on the other hand, check this out. We're going to see as we go through, the, through, through uh, start say, the gospel of Jonah. That's what it is, huh? We're going to see that going out of God's will cost him and he never got there. But when he finally gets in God's will, it cost him nothing and he gets where he's going. There's a great contrast here. You know, you can get there in God's will and God will pay the bill. But when you're running from him, it's all on you, Daddy. Check this out. Not only was disobedience costly, a costly decision, but I think this text affirms the fact that disobedience is a crazy decision. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number 3, Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh. He's a prophet. Jonah, that's stupid. That's crazy. You know Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Elohim, the maker of heaven and earth. Where can you flee to get away from Him? I heard a preacher say one time that the United States of America is living proof that sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you crazy. And it does. It makes you think you can do stuff, get away with stuff. There ain't no way you can Jonah thought he could get away from the presence of the, of, the, of the omnipresent God. Now how are you going to get away from his presence, Jonah? Even if you do make it to Tarshish, guess what? First person you're going to meet when you get off ship is going to be the Lord. Huh? It's just the way it is. Sin, excuse me, makes us crazy. And I think my preacher friend is right. I'm amazed today when I watch the news just how crazy the United States of America is. This is why you've got to preach against wickedness, son. I mean, I was appalled just a couple of weeks ago when I saw the news on the headlines and they were proud of the fact that Remington Arms was just sued and lost a $73 million lawsuit because somebody used a Remington gun to kill some folk. Now hear me. I'm going to cry against mass shootings. I'm going to cry against individual shootings. But to blame the gun for killing somebody, as someone has said, is like blaming your number two pencil for your math mistakes. That's stupid. That's crazy. You know what else is crazy? I watched a liberal senator the other day try to convince a group of semi-consciously thinking people that there are 50 genders. And you're free to choose from whichever one you would like to embrace. You tell me sin hadn't made us crazy. Huh? And this is what he's called you to preach against, John Seth. Sin made Jonah crazy. Sin makes everybody crazy. But let me pull it down to this because we're going to do some ordaining here. 
As Charles Spurgeon said, we're going to lay our empty hands on your empty head <laughs> and hope that the good God of abundance fills you, brother, somehow or another. Huh? Here we go. God, when God calls, God's call is completely His prerogative. Number two, God's call is a non-negotiable proposition. And then finally, God's call is filled with great potential. With great potential. Now, can I just let the... the uh, man, look. You can't fathom what God wants to do in your life because you've said yes to His call and you've embraced it. But let me show you what happened to Joni. You see, there's two ways... Two, Two, two ways this great potential can go. Number one, if you're like Jonah, there will be a great wind. Check this out. Look with me in verse number four. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. Do you know what God does to disobedient folk who are running from Him? He hurls a great wind your way. Hey, if you think you can say no to God, and live happily ever after in Never Never Land, newsflash. It's not going to happen. You see, with God's call, there comes great potential. The first great is there's potential of having a great wind hurled at you. Number two, look at the word again. It's the Hebrew word gadol. Number one, there was a gadol, a gadol wind. Number two, then there was a great storm on the sea. You see, God just let, didn't stop it at a great wind. So Hurricane Michael gale force is blowing. But wait a minute, let's add a little bit to that. Let's add some clouds, let's add some thunder, let's add some lightning, let's add some tremendous waves. So if the great wind isn't enough to get you to say, wait a minute, great things are happening to me, but they're great in the wrong direction. God says, let's up the stakes a little bit. Hey, you see Jonah's going down the wrong path. Oh, there's great potential. Number one, a great wind. Number two, a great storm. And then notice what, what happens in verse number 17. The Lord appointed, here's our word again, a great fish to swallow Jonah. So you see, here's the thing. When this call comes to you, it's almost like this. The Lord says, hey, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. But make no mistake about it, we're going to do this. Huh? So you can run and you're going to watch your life come unraveled as I hurl the wind at you. Number next, if that don't stop you, I'm going to hurl a great storm at you. If that don't happen, i got a great fish who's going to come swallow you up. You're going to become fish bait. <laughs> Not gator bait, John. <laughs> you're going to become fish bait. <laughs> Boy, I wish I had a nickel for every time. I stood at the end of life with somebody in a hospital room or at their house, John says, and them say to me, Pastor, I've never told anybody this before. When I was a young man, I know that God called me to preach, and I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. One guy told me I, I wouldn't do it because my life's dream was to be a surgeon, and I became a surgeon. After he became a surgeon, guess what happened to him? He got arthritis. And the only thing he could do in the operating room was peer over the shoulders of some men that he was training. I've heard other folks say, when I was a young man, God called me to preach. But all I ever wanted to do was this. 
and I did this in disobedience to God and my life has fallen apart. If I had a nickel for every one of those sob stories, we could go out today and eat lunch at the most expensive place in Bonifay. I'm telling you we could. You know what? Here's what I think. And I've asked this question before. Why has God quit calling men to the gospel ministry? There's a lot of people in pulpits, but I think they're mice rather than men. Why has God quit calling men? It seems that we're not having men who have the character and demonstration that comes inherent with the call stepping forth and saying, God has called me to preach. Woe is me if I don't. I can't do anything else. Where are they? And can I say to you, it may not be that God's not calling them. It may just be that the cruise ship industry sailing to Tarshish is booming today. There's a lot of them on sailing ships to Tarshish rather than heading down to Nineveh because God's called them. So, here's the question. When God calls, there's great potential. It's either a great disaster because of the wind and the storm and the fish or there will be great deliverance that takes place through your obedience. Can you imagine? Do you know how big Nineveh was? It was monstrosity. In chapter 4, God's going to say there's 120,000 people there who do not know their left hand from their right hand. It's probably a reference to children who are too young to even know the difference. There's that many children. How many adults are there there? I mean, there's estimations today that there was a million plus people in Nineveh. Jonah goes down there and preaches. And he invented the slogan or the phrase that says, You in the balconies, come on, the buses await for you. The chariots await, you just come on. And the city from the king down repented. Man, it gives me goosebumps to think what God can do if we'll just be obedient to his word because it's not in us. It's all in his word. And Jonah went down there to preach the word of God and the Bible says those people covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes. Man, the desire of my life is to see a revival take place just somewhere, just one time in the United States of America before I die. And if it does, I can tell you how it's going to happen. It's going to be because somebody somewhere heard God's call. And even though they didn't want to, they said, God, I don't understand how you're going to do this. I don't even like doing it. I'm scared to death. But because you called, nevertheless, I'm going to go. And they stand up and take God's word and proclaim it powerfully. And people begin to do like they did in Jonathan Edwards' day when before he finished preaching, they're standing up holding on to the pillars in the sanctuary afraid they're going to fall off in hell before they get to repent. God give us some of that. And John saith, that just may be your future if you'll be faithful to the God of the Word who's called you through the Word of God to preach His Word. So son, here's my final charge to you. You find you a stump and you stand upon it and you proclaim the glorious riches of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light for his glory. Would you stand with me please? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have done in John, Seth and Brittany's lives. Thank you for them being obedient, not running to Tarshish, but saying, yes, God will go even to Nineveh. And I pray for those who are here today that today they've heard the call of God calling them to salvation. 
And God, my prayer is today, they're going to arise and they're going to come. They're going to make their faith in Jesus Christ public. I pray for those who are here today, there may be folk in this place that you are calling God not only to preach here in the United States, but to preach your word as missionaries around this globe. And God, I know that's what you do in and through Ascending Church. So I pray, God, today you're going to call folk publicly to say, we're scared to death, church. Would you pray for us? We, we, we know God's calling us and we can do nothing else. So Lord, would you take this time of invitation and would you glorify yourself as you call folk to you and I pray it in Jesus' name. Dr. John Wilson is going to be standing down here at the front. Colin Dollar is going to be standing here at the other side. If God's spoken to you today and there's a response that's appropriate to what God has said, one of these men or I would love to pray with you. But in Jesus' name, look, the potential is too great. You can leave here today after having heard the call of God and tomorrow a great wind come. Or be obedient today and... Man, great deliverance begins to take place through you because we serve a great and mighty God who has a powerful word to deliver. God's spoken to you in Jesus' name. Won't you do business with Him right now?